Welcome to Drink This Beer, a show dedicated to craft beer and the people who make it. Each episode, we'll get the stories behind the brews you love. Now, here are your hosts, Tim Dennis and Aaron Williams. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? And welcome to Drink This Beer. It is the craft beer podcast that talks to the brewers of the beer that you love to drink. I'm Aaron Williams. And I'm Tim Dennis. And this week, our guest is Barrel of Monks. We have Kevin Abbott with us. Karen is the Director of Operations. They're out of Boca Raton, Florida. And Kevin, thanks so much for joining us this week. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, definitely. Now, you know, when you think of South Florida, you think of beaches and bikinis and retirees, but maybe not in that order. That would be kind of weird. I'm just, I'm just saying. You do you, Aaron. Listen, We're not going to question I'm not your life judge. choices exactly. here. Yeah. But, uh, but, you know, regardless, though, Belgian-style ales probably wouldn't be the first thing to pop into your head, but uh, that's what you guys special in, uh, specialize in at Barrel of Monks. Uh, Kevin, tell us a little bit about uh, your brewery operation and, and what you guys do. Yeah, so Barrel of Monks, we, we do only Belgian-style ales, as you said. I mean, we do have a little bit of a South Florida flair, as we'll use like some local ingredients here or there. But it really comes down to my, my partners and I, uh, specifically my, my three uh, main partners, um, they were looking to open a Belgian brewery for years. Uh, they got into the beer scene when it was a wasteland down in Florida. You didn't get anything, any craft from anywhere else in the country. And the only thing you could really get 15, 20 years ago in South Florida was some of the Belgian stuff. Even, you know, Chimay Blue was a rarity. Uh, Chimay White was a rarity. So they started importing beers directly from Belgium and getting into those beers and getting really excited about the prospect of making them. And then, you know, 10, 15 years later, finally in the position to be able to open up a brewery and kind of pursue that passion, and I came on board then. Yeah, definitely. Now, so um, you, you, you guys were Belgian beer fans for a while. Um, and, and, you know, it's kind of interesting. We've talked to the Shelton brothers uh, about this, yep. too. It's kind of mm-hmm. interesting. When, when, if you've got a Belgian beer fan, you almost kind of have to either get into the importing business or make your own uh, over the past few years because that's all you could find. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we now have uh, up in, uh, in New York, obviously, you've got Alma Gang, you've got Allagash up in the Northeast as well, you've got Boulevard. So there's a handful of us doing this, but we are the, the first ones in Florida doing associate Belgian beer as far as a, a, uh, a distribution or a production brewery. And our goal is, you know, we just had a collaboration beer with Fort Le Pen. Uh, which is a Belgian brewery that is very well respected, smaller brewery over there. Our goal is to make the kind of beer that the Belgian brewers will kind of stand up and take notice and say, "This is the way you should you're supposed to be doing this in the, in the states." Yeah, sort of like an Al- what Allagash is doing up north. You guys are, would be doing the same thing down here. Exactly, and we have an extensive barrel aging program. We do sours. We do kind of the whole uh, the whole kit and caboodle when it comes to Belgian style ales. Our rule is all Belgian ale yeast, all European malts and hops, and within that we can play around and do some more American styles, but do our Belgian twist on them. Well, that was something I think you know craft beer X number of years ago. I'm not going to try and throw a date on it, but. Uh, you know, Belgian was the, the craftiest of the craft there. You know, you talked about Chimay being harder to find in that. But when you were a craft beer geek, at one time, that was where you went because there just wasn't a lot here in the States. And it's gotten to be, especially in the U.S., that there's not as many craft beer geeks seeking out these these Belgian styles. I mean, they're still popular. I don't want to say that. But the hotter styles are these Northeast IPAs, these big bourbon barrel stouts and that. But we are seeing a resurgence of the Belgian styles again. You know, we've got a couple breweries here in Georgia in the Atlanta area that do a lot of Belgian style beers and several great ones across the country in that. So it, it kind of seems like we're kind of coming full circle and back to these styles. 
Well, we sure hope so. Uh, <laughs> I believe that the Belgian beer was kind of a gateway beer for a majority of the of the people, at least from 10, 15 years ago, getting into craft beer, as you said. You drink a Delirium Tremens, or you drink a Nostradamus, and you say, wow, I didn't know beer could taste this way. Because you're used to, you know, the, I like to say when I was uh, 20, 21 years old, 22, I thought I was a real uh, real cool guy because I drank a Killian's Red. Right, there you go. Was, same. You know, super, super fancy beer. So for me to be able to go and then try a delirium, it was, it was eye-opening. So I think a lot of people kind of crossed over into craft beer with Belgians, and a lot of them didn't move on. I'm hoping, and we hope, you know, we're a niche brewery, but we hope that people are going to start migrating at some point back to malt-driven beers. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with IPAs. I, I drink IPAs myself, and my, my previous lives are the breweries. I've made plenty of IPAs. But we try to focus on the one thing and try to do it really, really well. And I think that focus is something also in the market. You're going to see more and more of that kind of segmentation of people getting to specific styles and trying to really perfect them. Yeah, and I think that that's uh, one where when we start to see the craft beer boom kind of expand, especially here in the southeast where it's been kind of lagging behind, you'll start to see a little bit of that specialization. And it's interesting that you sure. talked about delirium. Uh, you know, my wife went to a holiday party uh, at her work uh, the other day, and she said, she texted me, she said, she's not a beer drinker, but she said, I had delirium Noel, and it was the greatest thing ever. I'm like, give me some more of that. So she okay. was, so, yeah. the, so the Belgian hopefully is a gateway for her to, to enjoy more beers. Well, we, we're in Boca Raton, and Boca Raton is known for spirits and for wine, mm-hmm. Uh, high-end restaurants, things of that nature. And we hope that we, when we go to a lot of charity events, things of, of, that, of that nature, we bring out our triple, we bring out our quad, we bring out our barrel-aged stuff, we bring out what you're drinking right now, our, our Father Christmas. And a lot of people that are into wine will say, wow, I didn't know, once again, beer could taste this way. I, I spent a lot of time before I got into the beer business as a wine steward. And learning about that side of the alcohol business and trying to bring some of those layered flavors and nuances, I don't think there's a better style than Belgian beer. Well, that's something. We've talked with some of the brewers here about kind of the winification of beer. And we've actually had a we had a, a sommelier on not long ago talking about the similarities and the differences in the two. And there really is a lot with styles. You hear a lot of wine drinkers that do still say, Oh no, I don't. You know, I don't like beer in that. But without fail, when I've been around, you can find a style that replicates a lot of the flavors that people enjoy in different wines. And when you bring the two together, you know, they can be great. We've got a a triple here from a brewery that is aged in uh, Burgundy barrels. You know, bringing the red sure. wine barrel into the Belgian style beer there. So there's there's a lot of harmony you can bring with those two. Sure. I mean, we've done uh, Morta, which is a beer we did for our brotherhood, for our club, which is a Cabernet Barrel Triple. I've used Pinot Noir barrels. I've used Chardonnay for, for sours. We've used uh, the, the beer that you're drinking right now. I've done in Port Barrels. I've done in Cabernet Barrels. And I think there's a lot to be said about adding flavors and nuance and complexity with wine barrels and not just using bourbon. Bourbon barrel beers are great, but we use tequila. We use rum. We try to take some of the different flavors and meld them with the right style. And I think a lot of times people fall back on bourbon because in this country they're the easiest uh, barrels to get. Sure. They're the best prices, and all, especially when you're on the East Coast, the, the access to them being closer to Bourbon County is much easier than the West Coast out where wine country is. Yeah, and you're, it's not uh, a little more expensive to uh, ship those in from France, those barrels in and, and what have you. Also, <laughs> bourbon is delicious. I'm just going to Well, throw I'm that just out saying there, it so is, too. Know, exactly. Nothing wrong yeah. with that. Nothing wrong with that. I, I agree with you there. So, Kevin, I got a question here. If I'm reading my notes correctly, you guys have an 80-barrel brew house? 
No, we have a 20-barrel brew house. Okay, all right. That's on me. I'm sorry. I thought I was 80. I'm, we, I must have misread that. No, we, we're, we're on a 20. I've got two 80-barrel fermenters. That's what gotcha. it was. Sorry. Okay. We do 80-barrel batches. But no, I've got a 20-barrel. I've got about 10,000 square feet in Boca. And we distribute about 75% of the state of Florida. So we don't quite cover the whole state, but we're distributed in most of the population centers from Orlando down through the Keys. So I was going to say, Florida, man, yeah. they were racking some serious beer there if they were doing eighty barrel batches. I, that, I, that, so. It looked big to me, and I should have double checked yeah. that. So that's uh, I blame the alcohol. On that I've one. seen a couple of what I would consider kind of smaller craft brewers with fifty barrel brew houses, and those are beasts. I mean, even a fifty barrel is a massive brew house. But <laughs> well, I'm disappointed now. I won't hold it against you, Kevin. But I was really wanting to talk about your. 80 barrel brew house there. Yeah, I'd love to talk about my 80 barrel <laughs> yeah, brew right. One day. One day. Have me back on and a couple more years, exactly. There you go. Yeah. So, so now, obviously, you take your Belgian beer seriously, but uh, what there are there some challenges of brewing this style of beer in South Florida? You know, when you're talking about water chemistry. Um, obviously, it's a, almost a tropical environment. Um, do you guys have to uh, maintain some, some different standards to, to help you with that? I don't really think as much as the water. Our bulk of water is pretty, pretty solid, and we strip it out uh, with just a regular charcoal filter, build back up with salt to replicate different brewing waters, whether it become from brews or something of that nature. That's actually relatively easy. The real uh, And the heat is fine. Obviously, we have jacketed fermenters. We can control temperature real well. The real uh, complexity for us is in bottle conditioning. So the beer you have is bottle conditioned. That's an extra three weeks on top of the regular fermentation time to make that happen. Having space for things like that, doing several different carbonation levels of our beer, because the beer we serve in our tasting room, we carbonate to 3.5 volumes of CO2, and the beer that goes out in the market is 2.6. So trying to do our beer in the best way we can for the style, there's a lot more complexity that goes into making Belgian beer, but that's going to be a problem whether you're in New York, California, or Florida. So, question for you there, Kevin. You mentioned that the beer you send out in the market, you send it there at two point six vols. Um, do you get people that come in and they've had they have a different experience because that you know I'm I'm thinking how exciting a nice saison you know at three point five would be you know really effervescent and nice. But how much does that change the experience of the beer? It really does, especially when they come into the tasting room, and we have we have the ability with line restrictions and flow control faucets. Everything in our brewery is made to pour beer at a higher volume, but out in the market, it's not. So, for instance, I believe I sent you guys a bottle of our triple. That triple is a bottle-conditioned 330 ml uh, triple. Now, on draft, it's not going to be the same experience as having it out of that bottle, and it's not going to be the same experience as being in our tasting room. So just by the necessity of what's available for bars and restaurants, we have to do what's necessary to let them pour the beer and not get angry at me about the beer foaming. Right, too too foaming, right. Yeah, in general, I just think our beers are always going to taste better when they're bottle conditioned. Our beers are always going to taste better with a little more bubbles behind it. But even our Wizard... Uh, 12 ounce, we carbonate that to three, three, three point one volumes to get it into a 12 ounce long neck. That's not bottle condition, but we try to keep that, replicate that mouthfeel as much as possible because I think it's part of the experience. Yeah, and, and of course, uh, you want to keep it a little bit different in your own tap room too because you have that ability to really kind of fine tune your beers in your own tap room and control that quality. Yeah, absolutely. So something I've really been wondering, you said you use tequila barrels. What Belgian beers are you putting in a tequila barrel? So we've done a couple. Of, uh, we've done a Saison, we've done our Wit, but the number one beer 
when I was when I came over to Barrel Monks and I joined up with the guys that I'm with here, uh, I had always wanted before that because I was a Belgian beer fan but never really made a lot. I always thought tequila and triple would go really well together. There's a spiciness with a phenolic triple and that kind of yeast strain that I thought would go gorgeous with an Añejo or Reposado tequila. Well, independently, one of my partners comes to me one day and goes, tequila and triple. <laughs> and so we both had the idea. I like to think I had it first because I, I like me. But <laughs> I think that uh, we, we gave it a shot. And the beer is called Owen. We do, we do it once a year, and it's really a beautiful beer. Uh, just those roasty, toasty notes of oak that come out, the spiciness of the tequila itself, and it really melds really well with that. With a phenolic triple, if you, if you go with a bubble gummy, that Chimay white yeast strain, it's not going to taste right. But a nice, zesty, spicy triple works really well. Yeah. That's fun. We brew, Brian and I here, we homebrew. You know, I'm still going to say we homebrew. It's been a minute, Brian. It's been a few minutes. But one of our favorite styles to brew is Saison. We've done it in many variations, and we've played a lot with those temperatures, uh, you know, fermentation, you know, to to accentuate more the esters or the phenolics and that. And it's so much fun with, uh, I I really enjoy yeast-driven beers personally so you know belgian styles are fantastic for me but uh you really can change whether you get the bubble gum and remember our, we accidentally brewed a bubble gum pumpkin beer one time yes we did that doesn't pumpkin, sound good so yeah <laughs> but, i still think that's the yeah. extract though you know really it, it was not awful it's just it was a beer we'd brewed before and as someone who's not a huge pumpkin beer fan it was one of the best that i've had it was it was really nice but it was not so when we did it and had the little gummy taste in it. I'm like, this really isn't bad. It's just not what I wanted out of this. So we didn't brew it again. I think you're that softening it, that. I think you said a lot harsher things about it at the at time. The time <laughs> probably yes. did when I found it in there. I think but it's a anyhow, quote that I hate this beer is the quote. That's pro- that sounds accurate. That sounds accurate. So um, South Florida, Belgian beer, couple other breweries down that way. How is the overall beer scene in Boca and kind of the South Florida area? My my joke is that if you walk into a craft beer bar and you throw a rock, whoever you hit's opening a brewery tomorrow. Oh yes, okay. <laughs> so we that, know the feeling that, here. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that seems to be the uh, the thing. When, when, I, when I started, when I started home brewing in mid two thousands, there was no one down here brewing beer. There was a couple little brew pubs, and that was about it. And there was Cigar City wasn't even on the map yet; they hadn't started. So it's really been in the last 10 years or so, we've gone from 20, 30, 40 breweries to over 100. And it's a growing, uh, growing definitely by leaps and bounds. Now every city, local city, probably has a brewery in it, if not one or two. And we're getting more and more people turned on to local. It used to be where I could go uh, sell a beer down in the Keys and go, where your local brewery? Now they're like, there's seven breweries down here. You're four hours away. How do you consider yourself local? Right. And while it's tougher for us to sell beer in that environment and there's more competition, overall, it's just better for everybody. Because when I do a tasting at a local liquor store, there's more people that are willing to give it a try. There's more people that I can relate and say, oh, if you're familiar with this, then you're like this. So we are still, we're still fighting. We're still fighting the big boys and, and for recognition and for visibility on the tap handles and on shelf space. But it's going in a very good direction in Florida. And that's really where, where it comes in where you have a niche, uh, like you said, like just an all Belgian style beer where you can kind of be that inroad as well. I mean, everyone's got their, their you know, traditional IPAs, styles, borders, whatever. But to have a traditional Belgian beer or style beer, it's something that's kind of put, set you apart from others. 
sure. And I have no problem walking into a bar and they're saying, hey, listen, I, I've heard of your brewery. I'd like to try your IPA. And I go, well, we don't make one. <laughs> so if you're interested, I'll, I'll leave you alone. When you need a wit or when you need a Belgian style or a multi beer or you want to try something different, a higher gravity beer, we'll come back in and we'll try something else out. I, I, I love being able to say there are plenty of great IPAs. I can name you 12 brewed in the, in the state of Florida. Go with them. They do it well. But when you're looking for something that's close to, to, to home for us, we'll be there. Do you have a big neon sign in your tap room that says, we don't brew an IPA? Because I feel like that would be necessary. So if you're not. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, do a, we do a beer called Endless Enigma, and it's our Belgian pale ale. And it is not, it's not, it's not as hoppy as a Sierra Nevada pale ale. It's right. not very hoppy. It's got some esters to it. It's got a lot of hop aroma, very little hop bitterness. But we use all European hops for this, so it's all noble hops. And we'll, we'll push people in that direction slightly and let them try it. But uh, we've actually got a, a T-shirt that is, uh, it says on the back of the, of the T-shirt, IPAs, where we're going, we don't need IPAs. <laughs> and <laughs> that's kind of been one of our, one of our little mottos. Good stuff. Got to own it, man. Own it. So That's ha- right. have there been any beer ideas that you guys have had and have realized you just really couldn't do it because you're focusing on Belgian beers and it just doesn't fit? Does that ever come up? Or, I mean... It, it does from time to time. And the thing is, so for instance, I do a cherry chocolate quadruple. That's definitely not a traditional Belgian beer in a lot of ways, but it is a quad. We are using all European ingredients other than our cherries and things of that nature. So we're willing to step outside the box and do some of the more culinary or beers, but we when we do that, we still try to make them a little more restrained. I don't want it to taste like uh, chocolate milk. I want it to have hints of chocolate or hints of cherry. So that's one of the ways that we get around that is by saying we're going to do things a little more subtle. But we, my my head, my current head brewer now, he comes up with ideas all the time, and we'll say that ah, doesn't sound like us. That doesn't sound like something that Barrel of Monks would do. And we have to make sure that we 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 have a, a portfolio that people recognize the kind of beers we do, and they know what they're getting into when they when they uh, crack one of our bottles. Yeah, we're talking to uh, Kevin Abbott, uh, Director of Operations of Barrel of Monks down in Boca Raton, Florida. Um, just we're going to wrap it up here in just a couple of minutes, but uh, you guys are coming up on your third anniversary uh, here, I believe, in March. Did you all think you'd still be doing this, or uh, are you guys to plan, or you do? Uh, are you uh, uh, kind of living the dream here? Did he just? I think Aaron I just I, punked I, you I, out. I didn't mean to punk you out. He if didn't that's think the case. You're last. It sounded you, like you were expecting us to be closed already. Right. But, what uh, the hell? Sorry, I, did, I didn't mean that. I apologize if that was the case. <laughs> did you think you'd still be doing it? Of course we did. We're only three years old. <laughs> that's true. <Yeah. laughs> anyway, yeah. So you know um, what I should say. So is congrats that, on your third anniversary, Kevin. <laughs> There you Let me go. Kind of answer that the best way that I can. Uh, so yes. we we definitely got into this for the long run. In as far as this is a passion project for for myself and our partners. Uh, I've been brewing beer now professionally in South Florida for almost ten for about now a little over ten years now, mm-hmm. uh, and. This is the best business I've ever been in. <laughs> this is something that I can see myself, my per, myself personally doing for for a very very long time. But we we were we were very happy to see that our local community kind of latched onto us, and we have regulars that we have kind of turned into Belgian beer geeks, if you will. And we've been very pleasantly surprised by how much uh, beer like our Wizard Wit has kind of caught on in the community. 
And it's not just in Boca, it's in all of South Florida where we're getting more and more steam. So we're going in a very good direction. And for a niche brewery, we've actually outgrown kind of what our projections were. So that's a real good thing. If uh, folks want to keep uh, in touch with Barrel of Monks, uh, how can they do that? So you can obviously follow us on all our social media, Barrel of Monks. You can search that for Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, BarrelofMonks.com is our website. And we have a calendar on there and, all, of course, all of our links to all our social media stuff. Good stuff. Kevin, thank you so much for your time today. And whether or not Aaron congratulates hey. you on three years, I want to say congratulations. <laughs> and uh, we appreciate no. you speaking to us. You've been listening to the Drink This Beer Craft Beer podcast. We've been talking to Barrel of Monks Brewing and Kevin Abbott, who is a director of operations. If you like Beer Guys Radio, please subscribe, share us with a friend, and give us a rating. We'll be back soon, and we appreciate you joining us. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Drink This Beer. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. More beer stories? Head to BeerGuysRadio.com. Follow the Beer Guys on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Want more craft beer news? Listen to the Beer Guys Radio Show, available every Saturday morning. Drink This Beer, produced and developed by Tim Dennis and Aaron Williams, part of the Beer Guys Media Radio Network, beerguysradio.com.